Welcome to Dominating Your Investments, a podcast where you'll learn about stocks, personal finance, and creating generational wealth. I'm your host, Dom Rinaldi. On this episode of Dominating Your Investments, we're going to take a deep dive on Digital Turbine, or the ticker on the NASDAQ, as you know, apps. And so in the first part of this episode, it's about 10 minutes or so of me speaking in a Twitter Spaces event uh, back in September, early September, around the growth that Digital Turbine has had, the decline in the share price. Actually, at that time, it was $59 a share, roughly a $5 billion market cap. But really talking about the qualitative things I like about the company, where I think it's headed, and was it a good time to buy at $59 a share? Well, I'm happy to tell you that uh, we don't give recommendations or buying or selling advice, but uh, today, October 22nd, it is trading at $83.89. Starting out, just want to kick it off with some of the big earnings results that we saw uh, last week and this week. And uh, one of them that jumped out uh, for me as, as a shareholder and, and close follower is uh, Digital Turbine. Uh, the ticker is uh, APPS apps. Um, I've held digital turbines since $5 a share. Definitely didn't anticipate it growing this large, this fast. Um, but they have really been a defining example of mutating into a different company and adding different revenue legs. And that is what you hear on the Pounding the Table podcast and our YouTube channel as what we look for when we invest in long-term stocks. We look for companies that are different than what they were originally and can grow faster and wide uh, in other areas that you couldn't even imagine. Because of the visionary leadership, because of the founder-led leadership, or close to if they've been there long enough, uh, and that's, that's what this case is with Bill Stone, he was the CEO since uh, 2012, so nearly 20 years. I'm sorry, uh, 2002, sorry. But uh, with, with this business, just talking about the results, right? So they were the company that a lot of people still think of them if they haven't done their DD and followed. Is, yeah, Dom, I was going to ask you, what do, what do they do exactly? Yeah, so right into it, right? A lot of people give a lot of hate on them because originally their first business model was having an ad uh, not ad, but a app type of bidding process and board where uh, when you buy a new cell phone, especially mostly Android, uh, those pre-configured apps that maybe you don't want on there, um, some are good, some are bad, but they provide the bidding and the technology so that those vendors can fight it out to get their app on your Samsung 5G phone. Uh, and they've been doing it for quite a while now. And that's what they were known for for the past two years. And they did very well. They were very good at operational efficiency. They were profitable very quickly. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people said, well, I really don't can't can't get behind that. Right. I can't can't that that doesn't excite me, nor do I want a company just throwing crappy apps that I don't want. Right. So continuing to make partnerships, they were concentrated from a company standpoint as customers with having Verizon and T-Mobile. Uh, there was heavy concentration, about 75% from those two vendors. So their customers are the operators and the OEMs of those phones and devices. Now let's fast forward 12 months from now, uh, 12 months ago to now. So they've acquired four different companies. 
They have gotten into the DSP ad business. They have created synergies with those companies. So Fiber, Ad Colony, Mobile Posse, and Appreciate, which is on the DSP ad sales side. And their vision, and they said this, you know, two years ago. And what I love is when CEOs can say something and execute. They said they wanted to be involved in all the different smart devices like CTVs, Samsung TVs. You know, we see Samsung fridges with apps. We see microwaves. We see people with driving on in uh, autonomous vehicles. Advertising's not going away. Neither are apps. So it's a very, very uh, plentiful environment. And the ability to be profitable and turn these businesses to work together and already have cross-sell, upsell synergies, to me, in a 12-month period, is very good execution from a leadership team. Um, so I'm going to open it up to any of my other pounders if they follow this stock or any other listeners. Would love to answer any questions on it. Uh, so I'm just looking $5.7 billion, and it was, what, like under under a billion going into this uh was it going into 2020 and so you think that it ran up a little too fast you think that the the base that it has now you think it's ready for you know another rip finally because i know it's been kind of sitting around here around five billion for you know a couple months yeah. now yeah that's a good point right so they topped out at a little over a hundred dollars a share scaled all the way back down to i think the lowest they've been in the last five months or well maybe three months uh was today at 57 dollars a share and candidly i bought bought some more um and so i think they can i think that their results were phenomenal and i think they're the, what they provided for up guidance is sandbagging because they're already seeing incremental revenue with their three new acquisitions and they just signed a contract with samsung to have their single tap install technology uh, on all Samsung phone devices globally, over 250 million. Um, they currently have some form of their four or five different product technologies in over 700 million devices. Um, so that's a big wide net there. So I definitely think that that they are up for a run. I can't, I don't time the market, can't, you know, you're, you're the chart reader, so you could probably tell me if the chart looks good uh, Riley, uh, I would lean on you guys, you and KT on that. Yeah. Um, the other question that I would have is, so they, they, they don't do any business with like Apple, right? They don't like pre-install on any iPhones. So I have, they don't pre-install on iPhones, but I have seen some different articles about some small amounts of revenue starting to partner with Apple. We all know that Apple likes to keep things very close to the vest. So I'm not investing in this for them to break through and say that's my catalyst or my thesis. Uh, over 70%, I know this move, this uh, number keeps moving, but over 70% of mobile phones are Android devices. Mm -hmm. um, and they have a very strong relationship with Google where they split, I think, 50-50 on a lot of the different revenues. Um, so the bear thesis I always hear, right? We want to be honest about the bear thesis that people have is, well, what if Google just buys them out or, well, if they buy them out, it's a nice run. I'd like to, you know, see them go their own way. But um, what if they just say, you know, we don't need you. We'll do it our own way. They've helped and provided so much incremental revenue that Google hasn't had to work for. I don't anticipate that happening, but that would be a fair bear case, right? And then you lose. Now, now I will say on customer concentration, though, uh, they've went from like, you know, top three big customers being 70% of their share 
on the earnings call, they said they do not have any customers over 10% of their overall revenues um, for one single customer, which is a great change in two years. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, actually. Um, no, I mean, I think that that's it's a pretty interesting company. I was kind of just sitting on the sidelines after I had that monster run. I didn't want to be the one to top ticket and, you know, kind of you definitely felt the fomo i think most most traders and a lot of investors you know everyone was kind of seeing this one go and everyone was kind of waiting on the sidelines i think yeah maybe it's a pretty good time i could post a chart here uh kind of do a thread here on on the names that we have posted that we'll talk about but no i think that's a really interesting company that a lot of people should kind of look back into now that it's kind of had that base no i totally agree and, and for anybody who is interested in trading and charting uh, that is definitely uh, Tony, Riley, and KT, part of the Pounding Crew's expertise. Uh, we'll be posting more videos about how to learn that. I would love to, to watch them myself uh, <laughs> on our YouTube channel uh, because I think it's still there's value even for a long-term investor to get in at a point where uh, it's more affordable and your cost basis is much better long-term so that uh, you can really have those compounding returns even quicker uh, when it went to 57, I hadn't seen it reach 57 in quite some time, and it was just at 65. Um, so I know that was very overreaction on the CPI data. And uh, when it was o under a relative strength of under 20, um, it, it just spoke that it was going to bounce. And it, it's already up to $59, um, but I just don't see it going back below 57 unless the whole market just kind of tanks for a while, which who knows, could happen. Now, in the second part of the episode, which we're going to record right now, I want to talk about more of the operational pieces of Digital Turbine, looking at the financials, and just diving deeper into why I think this is a company that is riding a lot of tailwinds and can be a big impact in the advertising business for not only the mobile carriers, but advertisers and really providing a monetative um, experience that allows companies to get the most out of their advertising to their users. So first off, what is Digital Turbine? So you probably will hear me in the first part of the episode speak on this, but it's the leading independent mobile growth platform and levels up the landscape for advertisers, publishers, carriers, and OEMs. By integrating a full ad stack with proprietary technology built into devices by wireless operators and OEMs, Digital Turbine supercharges advertising and monetization. The company's headquartered in Austin, Texas, with global offices in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, London, Berlin, Singapore, and Tel Aviv, and serving other top agency app developer and advertising markets. So that's from their website, just a description about them. And so going a little further into the experience that their leadership team has, I wanted to read you some of the expertise and experience that the board of directors has, as well as the CEO, Bill Stone. And I did make a mistake on the first part of the episode. Uh, Bill Stone has not been with digital turbine since 2002 it was 2012 as i originally stated and so it's coming up at almost 10 years that he's been with them and previously digital turbine was a company called mandalay digital and so bill stone has over 20 plus years of relationships and experience 
in working with carriers, uh, in wireless technologies, content media, marketing, and distribution, and has held executive positions at Qualcomm, Verizon, and Vodafone before coming to Digital Turbine. So, has a lot of experience and a lot of relationships and connections in this space. And I think that's very important when you look at making sure to grow your business through multiple carriers, multiple uh, operating systems, and really bring in all of the advertising connections that you can. And the board of directors and leadership team that Bill has surrounded himself with all have expertise just like himself in the mobile and advertising worlds, uh, starting with the chairman of their board, Rob Deutschman, has specialized in investment and merchant banking activities for over 30 years. And his real focus and specialty has been around giving companies strategic advice around mergers and acquisitions and private placements to grow institutional capital investments uh, and grow the companies, either private or public companies overall. And so with that experience, he's done this with numerous companies and held other positions in leadership. And we can already see with over four different company acquisitions that Digital Turbine has made within an 18-month period, they've started synergizing their revenues and are growing, even with some organic growth on top of the acquisition growth. But if we look back even further, Digital Turbine has acquired many other companies from 2010 uh, all the way to 2014, and they've been successful at making sure when they do acquire a company that it fits their company culture and that it drives incremental revenue and they synergize how it's going to fit into their overall strategy. Now, they also have a director who sits on the board, Roy Chestnut, who served as the executive VP and strategy officer at Verizon previously. So having those connections at Verizon, one of the largest carriers uh, around um, and one of the biggest pieces of uh, revenue for Digital Turbine uh, from a customer base uh, is very important to have that expertise and those relationships there. Now, another director, Holly Hess-Grews, serves on the board of directors, and she actually serves as an external advisor for Bain & Company around improving performance and uh, performance improvement around telecommunications. So she's been doing that since 2020, and previous to that had senior strategic roles at Verizon as well. So we can see this trend of board of directors and, and it begs the question of how involved the board is. You, you hope that they are involved very much with uh, the decision-making and strategic advisement around where the company's going. Uh, based on what this company has done in such a short amount of time, I would have to think they're pretty involved. Another director, Mohan Gianni, uh, is a private investor and uh, is an advisor at Premier Capital, a venture capital firm that helps build sustainable and successful companies that focus on innovative products, services, and technologies. So more of coming through the investment piece, um, but also he was a senior advisor and chairman uh, at AT&T Wireless uh, previously as well. So here's another carrier, another network, 
uh, and we have some experience with the VC and investing world. And then Jeff Karish is another director uh, on the board uh, here that uh, works at Heritage Group, a healthcare and technology company uh, that is focused on innovation and they operate both in the US and Europe. And he leads development and investment programs in AI and machine learning applications in healthcare. And that's interesting because we know that healthcare is becoming more and more mobile, as you probably heard the ding on my Apple Watch that I recently got. Uh, being able to track your health and uh, both wellness and mental stability and financial health, all of this is a constant thing that's going on uh, in our society today. And being able to use your mobile phone or mobile devices as a as a carrier to keeping up to date with that uh, is an interesting thing that maybe Jeff will play a role in in the future or has already provided some advisement there. And then Michelle Sterling uh, is an executive VP of Human Resources for Qualcomm Incorporated. Uh, in this role, Sterling has direct responsibility for all human resources functions at Qualcomm, including learning and development organization planning, compensation, benefits, all of the different things that HR is responsible for. So when you talk about building a company culture, a, a much bigger company than what Digital Turbine is, uh, it's great to get that advisement uh, in building a winning culture. Um, and she was honored as one of the top 50 women in technology by the San Diego Business Journal as well. Um, so what we'll see too when we look at all the awards that, that Digital Turbine has won previously uh, around their company culture is that it's very important to uh, have a winning culture at the organization, uh, be able to keep and retain uh, top talent, uh, and those things also produce long-term results. Now what's interesting is that only six analysts follow Digital Turbine. Uh, two uh, from funds that we were very familiar with, with Canaccord and, and Oppenheimer, but only six analysts are following this company. And I think that uh, that will be a much larger number as time goes on, as this company evolves. We stated earlier, it is a global company, right? They're headquartered in the U.S. in Austin, Texas, but have offices in Berlin, Singapore, Sydney, Tel Aviv. Um, they have a wide stretch, right? And they have partnerships and, and relationships with 20 global operators uh, in telecommunications. And when we look at the short interest on the company, it's actually pretty high. It's almost 5.3% of a short interest currently on the stock. So that's why we've seen so much of the volatility uh, around this stock. And it, and it reports earnings on November 2nd, like a lot of the other technology companies coming up here for um, their fiscal second quarter. So it's not Q3 for them. They're actually in a different cycle than most technology companies as far as when their beginning of the year happens in March. Now, um, when they talk about their competitive advantage with their platform, they really lean in on the fact that you can boost your performance with a direct on-device advantage. So whether it's the advertising, the single tap installations, which we talked about in the first video, uh, where uh, they just signed the big contract with Samsung for uh, more single tap 
devices uh, to have that capability. And looking at their website, you can see a lot of the different uh, advantages that their proprietary uh, platform provides and how single tap has actually delivered great results on, on better return on investment for advertisers. Um, I know when I've been on Twitter, I've done a single tap installation of an app that I was curious about um, if the ad looked intriguing. And so um, that is just one of the pieces to their overall platform uh, to drive revenue. Now let's look at some customer testimonies. I want to really see uh, what customers are saying about the results that have had from this platform already. And then even Spotify. Launching Spotify's podcast section on mobile and leveraging the hyper-precise audience segmentation, power of programmatic ad technology has been game-changing that has enabled us to reach out and deeply engage with our target audience. That's from Spotify, folks. That is a large customer there uh, that can provide a lot of scale for them. Then you look at even something that you wouldn't think about for mobile advertising, Johnson & Johnson. We witnessed the power of mobile to come to life and saw disruptive assets give us incremental reach to strengthen our relationships with brand loyalists as well as skeptics. Thanks to mobile, Johnson strengthened trust and brand consideration with a 20% uplift in brand awareness. Dove had a campaign that led 18% uplift in sales because of using the platform that Digital Turbine provides. And then lastly, Papaya Gaming had over 2,000% growth in active users in 2020 with over 4 million installs worldwide. So you can see here their customers are raving about the experience and the results are quantitative. Uh, We look at their advertisers they leverage. You have Yelp, Uber, Instagram, LinkedIn, BBC, Amazon, Starbucks, YouTube, WhatsApp, Pinterest, Facebook, TikTok, Pandora, EA, HBO, the list goes on and on. Um, those are some heavy hitters and if they can provide a better brand and customer experience and advertising dollars for them, then that could be a real growth driver for the company moving forward. They also serve the operators with their partnerships with AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, Samsung, Telefonica, LG, Acer, and many more. So they're really focused in on getting the single tap Uh, media capable for all their advertising and all the digital apps, uh, leveraging smart TVs, smartphones. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more utilization of this platform on other smart devices. Apps become uh, more prevalent. Even, you know, think about when we have autonomous driving, we're going to be spending time on apps and things on our, on our car ride to work. Uh, Whenever that is, and whenever (laughs) we go back to work in, in the future, But there's so many different use cases that are drivers for mobile to be the number one medium for advertising, right? Uh, And Apps Flyer has a global uh, index ranking of mobile advertisers and Digital Turbine actually was number one for growth. Now, let's look at the financials now. Let's dig in and see, okay, we've seen that customers are happy with the results from their end. Uh, We've also seen uh, third-party rankings and and things of that nature. But let's talk about fundamentals and financials and where this company is today 
and where are they headed in the future? So we just stated earlier um, from when the first part of this episode back in September, they were at a roughly a $5 billion market cap. We're now up to $8.5 billion a month and a half later, right? And so we're back up. We're not to all-time highs. All-time highs were roughly right around $100. But we're getting there, right? And we have earnings coming up November 2nd. Still, uh, analysts say it's trading at 48% below their estimated fair value with the DCF cash flow. Because this is a profitable company, um, unlike a lot that are out there today in the market. And so their fair value is actually saying it should be roughly around 160-ish. Uh, in that range. The earnings are forecast to grow 36% per year for the next three years. Uh, Last year, earnings grew by 129%. These are some pretty impressive numbers when you look at not only top line revenue growth, but also looking at the profitability. And that's what I really like about this company and why I'm still holding it even after having a 15 bagger is because there's so much more room for it to run and the way they acquire companies and put them into the fold of their platform and their culture and execute, they've really scaled out quickly. And I know that one of the concerns that maybe a bear case would be is that they have had a lot of acquisitions. Can they keep continuing to do that? And can they reduce their debt to equity ratio, which is roughly about 52%, but they're generating so much free cash flow, they're able to cover that, right? Now let's take a look at their top line sales growth. Historically, their five year average compounded growth is 38.43%, and in net income, it's a five year CAGR of 16.7%. Now, by the end of this year, they will have totaled over a billion dollars in sales. And then if we look at what that's projected to be uh, by the end on March 30th, 2024, two years from their current projections, $2.2 billion. So doubling again within two years of their overall revenue. And if we look at their earnings per share, it's even growing faster at a faster rate than that. So currently at the end of uh, March 30th, 2022, it'll be $1.24 is what's projected for earnings per share. And then just two years later, $3.21 earnings per share. So not only are they growing at a rapid rate from a revenue perspective, but the efficiency and the margins that they're getting on their product uh, is going to yield great results over long terms of time for shareholders, right? So we know the stock's volatile. It it could go up, it could go down, but we know if we hold our stocks for five to 10 years or longer, the probability of us earning more and beating the market uh, is much higher. So that is my review on the revenue and the earnings per share piece for Digital Turbine. And so their PE ratio today is 144, which is extremely high, but it is profitable. And their price to sales, though, is only 18. And next 12 months uh, future uh, predictions from analysts is that based on the way their trajectories are going, their PE will be roughly about 38 and their price to sales ratio will be uh, six. 
So what does that tell you? That tells you that they're getting growth at a very high scale, but they're also improving on their operations and their fundamentals of their business to make sure that they're really maximizing all their margins. If we look at what they have done on a return on an equity perspective, they're forecasted to, for the next three years, to grow uh, return on equity at 34.5% annually. The industry only does 11.6. So that is almost three, actually over three times what the industry does uh, returning on equity. And so the performance has been great on growing margins and profits and revenue. Um, But I think what we're going to see is as 5G accelerates further, we see more smart devices and use cases come out. There's still 3 billion users in the world who don't have a mobile phone. So we're going to continue to see as new phones come out, new users come online, that we're going to see this advertising dollars spent on mobile as the medium. So uh, I think they'll be fine with the debt to equity. You know, that is the biggest concern is, is, hey, can they clean that up after making three acquisitions in the last 12 to 18 months? Um, I think they can perfectly fine. They have, you know, long term assets altogether, 1.1 billion. Um, Their debt is 254 million. And then liabilities, uh, 526 in equity and 487 in other liabilities. But a lot of that is just tied up in the acquisitions they've made. So I think they're going to continue. What I want to hear on the earnings for November 2nd is I want to hear more about the synergies with Ad Colony and Fiber and appreciate uh, these are the companies they acquired. And I want to hear about you know, cross-selling activities, net new revenue customer growth. Um, Are they improving uh, earnings per share? And are they uh, still continuing that triple digit growth? And do they project that to continue on? You know, that that is not sustainable long term. We all know that as companies get bigger, the growth, you know, declines. But really want to see what the plan is to keep growth at a high level uh, all the while keeping those operation margins high um, and synergies, ma- really maximizing those synergies between all the different companies they, they acquired because now they're not just the company that has a mobile app that's preloaded on your phone uh, and, and people bid on getting their app on the carriers. You know, they have a single tap install. They have a uh, DSP advertising p- platform with Ad Colony. Um, They have a lot of other things going on to provide this whole ecosystem of customer experience and advertising dollars on mobile devices. I don't think we're going to be putting our devices down anytime soon as our culture has definitely changed to uh, being very focused on social media. The news is accessible on uh, mobile much quicker uh, as well as shopping, e-commerce, just all of the different things that our mobile phones are used for today. Um, mobile gaming, I think that they have a lot of different avenues that uh, people will want to advertise on our phones and other smart devices. That's another revenue stream. So hopefully this has been helpful. Um, once again, this is not a uh, recommendation to buy the stock. I want you to do your own due diligence. 
Uh, but I am a shareholder. It's my fourth biggest position. I'm a big fan of the leadership team here. And uh, I think it's very underfollowed. And so it's great when you can get in on a stock that not everyone is appreciating yet because we all know the stock market may be up front a voting machine, but at the end, it's a weighing machine uh, of those fundamental results and what the company's actually doing. And uh, I think they're doing a great job of, of running their company. So once again, thanks for listening in to Dominating Your Investments. And remember, it's never too late to start. So I hope this helps you get some encouragement on how to look at a company from a qualitative and quantitative perspective. Um, and if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, at uh, DominicRinaldi9, and give me a follow. And look forward to uh, providing more content like this uh, on my podcast. Now for the disclaimer. Dominating Your Investments is a podcast that is part of the Pounding the Table Network and is for entertainment and educational purposes only. This should not be taken as financial advice and is just that of my opinion on investing. If you found that informational helpful and entertaining in today's interview, you can also give me a follow at DominicRinaldi9. Thank you again for listening and remember, it's never too late to start dominating your investments.